Thank you for welcoming and thank you for being so flexible. I didn't know until this morning whether or not I'd be able to come today because of other things and how they how it was all panning out. So it seems like spontaneity is the order of the day. <laughs> and I had no idea that the community leadership program was happening in Albuquerque when I went down there. So I went, when I went down, it was only I only found out after I got there that Gina was coming and that they were coming from all over the country in order to gather. So. I was amazed and delighted and also uh, really uh, appreciative of the time and the contact and the reception, the ability to talk about topics and a little bit of depth. It was nice. It's very nice. Just in the beginning go-around, I was just listening to what different people were saying. And, you know, there was the topic of, uh, you know, the joy of grandchildren and there was the topic of navigating the kind of insight of emotions that get stirred up when... Uh, stories are activating and then there was the topic of of, of uh, making one's way back into a group after being um, quite uh, pushed out and and so you know the common theme about all those stories is emotions and so I thought maybe uh, this evening just I know this is Darmet night <laughs> just snippets you know, for you know, 15, 20 minutes or so, just to talk a little bit about the whole world of emotions and how it works in our practice. Because I think all of us intuitively have a really deep sense that when we get it right, it's right. And when we don't get it right, it's really not right. So, you know, emotions come with the package. And so we experience sadness and joy and grief and anger and frustration and judgment and irritation and fury and uh, rejection and you know there's this whole huge gamut that comes with emotions and the topics are varied and you know probably we'd be able to lump them into greed greed lumps anger lumps ignorance lumps and you know but one of the things that, that is common is, is, is that when we have a healthy relationship with the emotions it facilitates a, a, a considerable amount of ease and well-being in our bodies and our relationships with ourselves, with our partners and our families and our children and our parents, in our community and our workplace. And, and when we don't, it really doesn't matter how much we have in terms of privilege or uh, opportunity or uh, prestige or, you know, we don't feel well. And oftentimes, you know, our relationships are just navigating through different layers of chaos. And it's also really interesting to me because, you know, whether we have a strong practice and a very clear aspiration to wake up and there's a kind of sense that waking up completely out of suffering is something that is of importance to us. Or whether we're just interested, whether we're just interested, is a small token of just being a decent human being. You know, the kind of thing that makes the difference between whether we are able to be a decent human being or whether we're able to um, progress on a path is the same thing. It's our relationship with our emotions. And so, you know, it, it doesn't really matter where we are or what our aspirations are or how profound they are. It's like if we don't get a handle on this stuff, it's like it's a mess. And the more we have a handle on it and the more we are able to bring uh, practices of awareness into the whole world of the way emotions arise and the way they look like, 
then there's an increasing skill and sense of ease and well-being in ourselves, in our relationships, and in our practice. So, I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like it's important. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't even matter, you know, the tune of the week, you know, whether it's an anger tune or a greed tune or an ignorance tune or whether it's a joy tune or a loving-kindness tune or an equanimity tune. It doesn't matter the tune of the week. What's needed is a kind of comprehensive approach that is able to embrace the whole sphere and, and bring it into, into practice. You know, this is actually the stuff that we need to practice with. So, you know, well, how? Well, you know, obviously in 15 minutes you can hardly do justice to how. But, you know, for me there's two basic things about how which are really helpful, particularly when the stuff that's coming up is activating and hard. So, you know, one of the things which seems endemic with most people that I know or have ever met or deal with and wherever I go is that there's a a kind of lack of self-confidence or self-love as a kind of baseline that people wrestle with. And as a result of that, there's a taking things um, personally in terms of the content of what arises. So when surfs up, you know, and 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 the the topics are hard to navigate, you know, there's a quite strong anger or frustration or desire for things to be otherwise. Oftentimes, there's some kind of um, self-blaming that I'm bad or my meditation is bad or I'm not meditating correctly because these things are arising. And when we do that, then we don't really have a strong ground to work with what's there because we are solidifying around the content and losing ground with the process of how to deal with what's emerging. The same is true with the intensely pleasurable things if we identify with that as well. But oftentimes we don't see the suffering of that until the other side of it is which is when they leave or when they're no longer present or when it changes from positive to negative or positive to neutral. So the first whole kind of sphere of working with the whole range of emotions, particularly when the, the, the difficult ones are present or where, where is ground. And that ground is ground of connecting ourselves to our own inner goodness connecting ourselves to our own resource. In a, in a traditional monastic community, the kind of baseline that's emphasized frequently is precepts and generosity. So a monastery only functions because of a tremendous generosity. It's almost like it's in a field of generosity. And, the, you know, there's a lot of things. There's food and there's electric bills and there's organizing work and there's service and there's writing books and publishing them and all of these things happen because of generosity. And so the generosity that happens is not only so much about giving out, but it's, you know, the person who gives is the first recipient of the gift. And that is because then they have access to their own goodness. And that access is like fundamental to being able to negotiate this difficult territory. We have got to have access to our own goodness in order to work with things which are difficult. 
Because otherwise we're just battling in terms of views and opinions about what we think it should or should not be. And we don't have enough capacity to be present with something and allow it to be as it is and find skillful ways of responding. Okay. So precepts has a kind of container that builds a sense of self-respect. Generosity gives us access to our own goodness. And both of these are like a harness. So I've been living in Colorado, and they do a lot of rock climbing, and they've got harnesses with ropes, and, and the harness you tether it so that you don't ever fall too far. At least that's the idea. <laughs> and sometimes the reality is a little bit different. But, you know, precepts and generosity tethers us to our own goodness, and that goodness gives us ground to navigate some of this territory, especially when it's really difficult. And so when we are losing ground, you know, when we're getting stuck in the mire, when we're getting knocked out of balance, it's important to learn how to back out, back off, reestablish ground, a sense of ease and well-being and relaxation. And then from that place of ground, of goodness, of confidence, of relaxation, of ease, then we move in again and can reconnect with the stuff which is so tough. Now, this is how to work with the patterns and change them into positive patterns, but it's limited, and all of us know on some level that it's limited, because no matter how much we change negative conditioning to positive conditioning, it's still conditioning. And conditioning ends up in old age, sickness, and death, no matter whether it's positive or negative conditioning. So if our entire investment in practice and working with emotions is changing negative patterning to positive patterning, we still have suffering and we still feel frustrated because we've done all this good work, we've tried so hard for so long and so many years and we're still suffering. So what's needed in addition to having skills and being able to shift negative conditioning and negative patterning to positive conditioning and positive patterning is to be able to step back and see patterning as patterning. Conditioning is conditioning. Emotions are emotions. Thoughts are thoughts. And whether they're good or they're bad or they're indifferent, they aren't ultimately who we can take refuge in, where we can find peace, or they are not going to be the answers to anything. Okay? So this capacity then to open up stand back, see a bigger picture, see all of this stuff is just stuff that passes through and have some kind of, of big mind, open heart, empathetic response to the whole catastrophe is the other side of the coin of what's needed in order to have some clarity and balance of how to work with this stuff. And in my own personal life, in my own experience, you know, I've needed both. I've needed to have myself harnessed in and back off and back up. And I've also needed to stay very still and very present and see it with a big picture and move back and forth depending on what I'm actually up to and what my capacities are at any particular moment. Because it changes all of the time. And sometimes I can see things. This is just greed arising or anger arising. And sometimes I can't. And so when I can't, I need to be responsive to the fact that I'm not actually present with it as a moment of mindfulness. I need more space around it. And then I need to cultivate the positive conditioning in order to create more space. So these two things, both the cultivating positive states of mind, working with things as a conditioned level, and backing up, and seeing it in terms of a big, huge 
this is just conditioned arising which is arising, existing for a while and passing away like kind of two places where we can get a little bit of purchase on this whole area and when we get purchase and we have a little bit more confidence and skill then there's more ease and relaxation and when we don't there's confusion and fear and anger and desire and that's driving us rather than us being settled and present with it as it's arising. So, a Dharmet? Right. <laughs> 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 